Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Open the boot, take out your picnic hamper and take it easy on the hard shoulder and listen to Jules and Jim's Joyride. We're deeply honoured, thrilled and delighted to welcome a guest who not only is a dazzling writer, musician, artist, film producer, actor, all of these great things, but also has actually had their face on a postage stamp. Thank you, but who's the guest? The guest is Rita Wilson. (laughs) Rita, it's marvellous to have you here. We'll get on to that in a moment, but just as we came in here today... Hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. A face face on a postage stamp, Rita. (laughs) Yes. Explain yourself. You know, I... Um, of Greek heritage, because my mom was Greek, my dad was Bulgarian, and they honoured me with this uh, amazing, I don't know what you'd call it, uh, art, stamp, was it, history well, a, thing, a, history thing. A drawing, a painting. No, it was a, it was a photograph, but it was... You know, mind-boggling. So I bought, you know, sheets of stamps and sent postcards to people from... Because it was in a euro. I think it was one euro 40 or something. International. And, uh, yeah, so I'm on a stamp. I had my face on a tin of beans once. Really? Yeah. I don't know what it was. I'm sure (laughs) some advert back in in a long, long time ago. Your beaming face selling more beans. My face saying, yes, behind beans. And they put your face on there. Yeah, to send in a, a star, of... really yes. cheaply done as well. <laughs> <laughs> but having a stamp with yourself, you could get through customs quite easily, couldn't you? Into oh, the country, it would say, be look, so good. Look, here I am on the stamp. But the thing, just to clarify it a little bit, it wasn't just because of my parents' heritage. One of the reasons I was being honoured was because we have contributed to spreading goodwill about Greece throughout the world through our movies. The two Mamma Mia movies were yeah. took place in Greece and filmed in Greece and the my Big Fat Greek Wedding movies are about a Greek family. So uh, and one other one called My Life in Ruins. So I am super proud of my uh, Greek and Bulgarian heritage, but the Bulgarians haven't showed up yet with a stamp. So No, exactly. And, and just... I, I think it is true. You have done a great deal for the uh, Greek heritage. And, and Greek culture is marvellous. I love going there for my holes and hanging out. It's a beautiful place to be. And uh, you have publicised that. But I feel as though that you and I have done that for Deptford, but we have never been so <laughs> no, much as offered. No. We're not even on the front of a sort of... Um... Or a street name. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's, what, that's what I'd like. Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger has a ski run named after him. Is he? Yes. <laughs> I'll bet he is. And now we, we talk about a lot of things on this, but, when, uh, but one of the things... Um, First of talk- all, I, I think that people should know that you have some notes written down, but not on a Word document, not on a computer. There's no computer screen in front of us. You have a small, beautiful, elegant 
notebook about three by five inches. Thank you. And handwritten notes. Yeah. Thank you. Well, look, we do live in the past. That's my. Yeah. And, I love it. And and uh, with Jim and Jules's joyride written on the on there in my wife's nail polish. <laughs> so it's absolutely no expense. Very analog. <laughs> yes. And I, I also like to use these, I think one of the most useful things that I think everybody, my tip, which is what I call my hand. What does that say on your hand? It Junction says, 8. It says Joe. <laughs> Junction 8. Junction 8, one of the motorway services well, I, I like I, to stop I used at. to do that and I still probably could now. I mean, I'm disc- discounting it, but I would do it, is write down junctions because I find it quite often better to write things down on a piece of paper or your hand than follow a sat-nav. I, I read this thing, this was a while ago, that remember the old maps that you used to have and if you were going somewhere you would look up, it's on grid E1 yes. or whatever, yeah. you would yes. then write your directions down to get there, left turn here, right turn here, and you'd, you'd have it all written out. Well, since the invention of sat-nav and Google Maps and all of that, the part of your brain that was used to process that sort of information is fading. You, you because you don't even have to think about it anymore. You're so, just, so we, you were just listening. We're just listening to instructions, doing as we're told. Right, but not, there was not here to question or right. Just, just getting on with it. No, I think you could be right. I think that we have become so reliant on on sort of just listening to instructions from the phone. If the phone said to you, "Oh, well, actually, you know, just drive now," and there's going to you're going to see a large a cliff ahead of you, just drive straight over that. And, uh, you know, oh, I don't okay, if that's what you say, I'll do it. Whereas in the old days, we would have looked at the map, we would have read the warning signs and we would have, yeah, we exactly. would have listened. I think that's why we've, we've been, we've been drawn into this, this whole world where we're given instructions. Coordinates. But anyways, we've, lost, we've lost a part of our brain that, that that's deals right. with coordinates. And grid right. references. I did, right, now talking about grid references, I had a record out, an LP out in the charts in uh, 1990. And on the inside cover, I buried three pairs of Chelsea boots around Britain, <laughs> and and put the coordinates on there. The uh, and and um, two of them were dug up, but there's still one remaining buried, and I think it's in the Lake District. Yeah, because I put all the coordinates in the mm. um, the grid reference. But nowadays, that's what sort of Rita's saying. Nobody can read them, so no, they'll remain there forever until right. someone discovers them on Time Team or something in the future. But what I did was I buried them. I just thought it was a, a, a bit of art. I think more than anything, three pairs of Chelsea boots buried them with the coordinates on the record. People dug them up, and when they dug them up, they said, "I found them. What's my prize?" <laughs> well, that was the prize, like, though. I mean, the boots are the prize. prize. Yeah. Come on. But just finding them. We were speaking of ghosts earlier, though. Yes. Rita, have you ever seen a ghost? I don't know if I've seen a ghost, but in a house that we lived in for many years, when before we bought the house, it was built in the 20s in Los Angeles, the woman who we were buying it from said, and oh, by the way, the ghost is very friendly. So we're like, mm. okay, great, you know, ghost in the house. I didn't believe it. But there was always three very specific things that this ghost did. One was there was a two-story entry. And if you were in the kitchen or the study or the living room, it the sound was so loud, it was as if somebody dropped a stack of books from the second floor landing down into the oh. entry hall. It was that loud. And you'd always run out there and there was never anything there. 
The second thing was that um, <laughs> it, I sensed it, I never saw it, but I sensed it in our bedroom and I would actually talk to it and say, okay, I'm trying to go to sleep. Can you please leave now? Because it was not an aggressive ghost, but it was a presence. But the third thing that it did that was so odd was it did not like it when we traveled and it would set the alarm off. Didn't want to be left alone. Did not want to be left alone. But what I did always experience was somebody passing by like quickly and if you turned nobody was there so we never told our children that we had a ghost in the house because we didn't want to scare them just about two years ago we told them and my older son was like I know it I know it I know there was something creepy about that house and then he described to me the exact same things that we had described that we had never discussed. And when you were and when you were there in bed saying, "Oh, can you look? Can we want to go to sleep now? Would you mind leaving?" Right. Did it? Did you? Did it leave? Do you it think? did. You oh, felt it did Tom leave? It did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of you got to go. <laughs> one of you has to go. Yeah. Uh, it did because I then could go back to sleep because it was that thing of waking up because you sense somebody is in the room and I used to think it was my kids, you know, and then I would get up and I could just feel a presence again very unaggressive so could, could you not find out who it might have been who lived it was there the before? woman yeah it was the woman who lived there before and she died there and i i don't know so i she... didn't know much about her have you ever encountered a ghost yes. well i think so i don't know you know I, i'm still skeptical i was in a band when i was about uh 16 and we used to rehearse in an old woodwork shop which is the guitarist's dad's place so we and and things like planks would fly off tables and we'd hear footsteps going up and down stairs. One night we were rehearsing and we heard these footsteps and things started going mad, things were flying around. So we ran outside into an alleyway outside and a, what I can only describe as an egg, a three foot size egg <laughs> came was, out was, of yes. the doors into the, and then disappeared. <laughs> Hold on. What? Can we, a three foot, when you say got a poached egg or just, a, just no, an egg? No, <laughs> no, no, it wasn't scrambled. Egg, nothing like No, it was just an, an egg. A, a egg, an egg shape. Well, I want to know, was it farm raised? Well, yes, oh, exactly. No, no, no. you're mocking. Oh, you're, not, you're going to be asking me about Easter eggs and stuff with ribbons on it. Exactly. It was all it takes is an egg shape. But do you think thing. this might have been like a, a light? Like yeah, a, yeah, like a mist. Like oh, an alien wow. presence, perhaps. Maybe it was an so alien. So you actually saw that, though? Yeah. I saw that. Did and then, anybody but really else casually went to the pub afterwards and said, I've just seen a ghost in a really flippant way because I still couldn't believe it. The other two members, the drummer and guitarist, were looking in and it went through them. But did they, did they, did they notice that or not? Was it only No, you? they didn't say it was only me who saw oh, it. Oh, I see, yeah. yeah. But you saw the egg go through, through them? Through them, yeah. Whoa! Yeah, and I mean, I think as a drummer and guitarist, quite reliable witnesses, but they didn't say anything. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But what about travel? You travel a great deal. I mean, we ostensibly talk about travel this, but we don't really know what we're talking about. Um, and we just blather on. But do you enjoy the act of traveling? I love traveling and I miss traveling, so I'm actually very thankful to be here right now in England. Even though things are very shut down here, it's still a pleasure to be driving around the city and all of that. Um, I love traveling. I, I didn't travel until I was 16. I went to Milan because I was modeling there with my mother and then we met my father and brother in Greece. And the routine in our family was we would charter, you would you remember the, how they used to have charter flights and they were very, very inexpensive. So you could book them for six weeks. And my father was of the mind that if I'm going to spend this much money, I am going to go for six weeks because it was a an airline ticket, whether you stayed a week or yeah, six weeks. Good thinking. Right. So then they would rent a car, drive down to Greece, and then my mom and I went over to Greece and met them and then traveled all throughout Turkey, Northern Greece, How? Bulgaria. How? By, by car? By car, by car. How fantastic. That must have been wonderful. Yeah, and I think that my my dad was very much, um, he loved traveling and he was always up for going. Same with my mom. But yes, we've traveled all over. And so, when, so were you driving around with them in the car? Yeah. That must have been, I mean, yes. going across places as well, presumably, that kind oh, of, yeah. you know, this there were dictatorships the and there was kind of exactly. much more of a difficult exactly. time in, in, in the world. Did you see right. any of that sort of thing when you were traveling around? Uh, well, no, but when we drove back from, well, we went to Turkey, but Turkey was stable and it was fine. Um, when we drove back to Frankfurt, because then my dad was selling the car, that's what people used to do. You would buy a car in Amsterdam or Frankfurt or whatever, and then you would, you know, drive it and then sell it when you got back. So uh, we did go through what was former Yugoslavia, Austria, Germany. But I love traveling. Um, and I think driving is a much more enjoyable way to see a place because you can pull over, you can have a cup of coffee, talk to someone, get yeah. to know a, a place. See the sign on the side of the road that says, oh, interesting sort of garden or castle up here, and you just drive up and do it. Yes, exactly. If, you see it, if you're on the train, you can't pull the communication cord and hop off and trot off to whatever it is, can right, you? Yeah. Right, Lovely, I, exactly. So I do love that. And my dad, when, when we were really small, on um, the summer, my dad was a bartender, but in the summer he would have time, some time off, and he would drive us to Las Vegas because who doesn't want to be in 110 degree heat, you know, in the middle of the summer. But what he would do is we'd leave at three in the morning. He had a car that I called the Batmobile. It was a Plymouth Belvedere, so it had the pointy fins and it was a convertible. So he, the well that would hold the convertible top when it was open became a bed for my brother. And then he would build up the the footwells for my sister and I and make like 
a little twin bed. So we would sleep there and try to get to Vegas before the heat of the desert would kick in. Oh, that's fantastic. And would he then sort of try and gamble you all away? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. No, then we would go to the buffets because they had, you know, all you can eat for $7, family of four, you know. So We should go there for our holidays. Have you ever had a, a car with fins? I have. I love a car. I love fins. I do, yeah. The American cars of that period are my favourite. Favourite period. My friend Colin Self, the pop artist, told me a story once. Now he's uh, in his seventies. He's uh, and he said when he was a a kid, said there was teddy boys around, and they in Britain you didn't have a car with fins, so they used to make them out of cardboard and sellotape them on. Well, to try and be flat. Would you like to have a ride in my new Cadillac? That's an old Austin. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, it's a Cadillac. I'm telling no. you this. It's a 1950s Cadillac. That's a great idea. That's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So now I've never had a car with fins, but I, I have got cardboard boxes. Let's yeah. not yeah. forget you have your wife's nail polish for a great paint job. What did you have that had fins? I had, what vehicle did I have fins? I had a Buick. And I loved my Buick. And a it was, Buick here? Yes. In yeah, and it was wow. a 1950s Buick. And you could fit three people in the front. And they had adverts for old 1950s British cars. And in, in the painting, it showed you three people sitting in the front. But actually, they must have all been one-third scale people to fit in. <laughs> Whereas in the Buick, you actually could fit yeah, all can, three people. Yeah. It was really... And absolutely. the rest. And the rest. You could get a football team yeah. in easily. And also, just to start it, you just pressed your foot on the, the pedal and it <laughs> and it started up. And it was sort wow, of... Like, and a slightly blowy exhaust. It was so great it made me so happy it makes me weep just thinking no, about I, I, I like to, I've me... never done that I've been to America and I've driven around but I've never driven around in something like you that. can rent those in, in yeah, Los I'm Angeles have to, I'm going to have to do it as soon as we're allowed yes that's what I'm going to do are you a car person or not really well I've had my share of vintage cars which I do love um, I had for many many years I only got rid of it a few years ago my original 1971 convertible Volkswagen that oh, was all white. A Beetle. A Beetle. Oh, oh lovely. Yeah. And I loved it. And even nowadays when I see the new Beetles, I think, oh, I want the, one. the Beetle was a lovely car. It um, really was. No, it felt wrong. so great in yeah. L.A. to be driving down. Because I grew up in Hollywood, California. So I would drive down with that top down and be a teenage girl with my girlfriends and go to the beach, go to the Rainbow go to the Roxy, go to all the nightclubs, the whiskey. And uh, it was just super fun. And it's such a California iconic thing to have, like Mm. a convertible. Well, as a native Los Angeles, California person, that really is motor culture because the the roads are built, unlike, say... um, uh, where we are here now in Greenwich, where there's tiny roads that were originally built for, I suppose, um, the sedan chair and the, yeah. and the horse and carriage. <laughs> and, and, and car. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, um, and, and Roman carriages and what have you. Los Angeles is built around the idea of the motor car, isn't it? And, and, yeah. and, and everything, it's like, it is, a, it is a, it, the whole culture is that. And so the, the most incredible hot rods and everything are there. People make up, invent oh, their own cars, everything. don't they? I grew up very near a place called Dean Jeffries. It was walking distance from my house. That was where they made the monkey mobile. And so I would go down and on the weekends you would see they'd be doing something, you know, touching up a paint thing or something on the monkey mobile. Sometimes the monkeys were there. And so uh, one day I'm coming home. Now I had Davy Jones's autograph. I had Mickey Dolan's autograph. I had Pete Torque's autograph, but I did not have Michael Nesmith's. Circus boy. And so... 
I'm like, Michael Nesmith's here. And I, and I said to him, Mr. Nesmith, would you wait? I have your picture at home. And if I just run to get it, will you please sign it for me when I get back? And he said, sure, you know. So I run and I'm running and I'm up the hill and across the, you know, woods to kind of wooded area to get to my house. And my sister's there and she sees me getting the thing out. She goes, what are you doing? I said, Mike Nesmith is down at the monkey mobile. I'm going to get an autograph. Waiting for and he, me. she said, oh, make sure that you say to Lily. That's my sister's name. Uh-huh. And I'm like, she's my older sister. I'm like, okay, to Lily. I start running back, running, running down. As I'm running, I'm like, wait a minute, why can't I say to Rita? I don't get it. And I get down there and I'm like, here, Mr. Nesmith. And he says, who should I make it to? And I said, to, she's going to beat the shit out of me, to Lily. Oh. So he signs to Lily and would take the picture home. And I show it to her and she goes, oh, thanks a lot. And I got so mad because she was still in the same position that I left her in, reading a book. And so I altered it and made Lily look like Rita. And I, <laughs> <laughs> to this day, I still have it. Oh, nice. You can see where it's been altered. Nice. Well, I'll tell you what, his mom invented Tipex. Uh, well, we call it white out. White out, yes. Yeah, so you could have whited out her name and written your name. <laughs> and it would have had some sort of crazy... <laughs> Yes, yes, that would have been so circular. That would have been, that yeah, been yeah. meta. All round. They call yeah. that meta. Yeah, that would have been really good. Yeah, that would have been good. I was at a TV awards when I was first on the television, and um, I got this uh, award. But the person who was on, who was in the wings, I was standing next to, was none other than the acting legend Robert Mitchum. Oh, wow. he was like a really big star, and yeah. I'd never bothered with people's autographs, but I thought, well, I've. I've got, I can't, I can't not get right. Robert Mitchum's yeah. autograph. But I didn't have anything to sign. So I said, oh, I said, I'm really but sorry. Yeah, so I said, I'm a great admirer of yours. Of <laughs> and I should explain as well, I was getting, I think Roland Riveron came with me to get the award and he advised me at the awards to wear what he, what in the box, it said the funniest glasses ever made. Never fail to get a laugh. He said, put these on when you get the, pick up the award and it'll go, it'll be what it says, they're the funniest glasses oh, ever gosh. made. Anyway, it was basically, aren't the glasses, well, in short, sort of a penis nose, basically, is what <laughs> yeah. you had. It's short, and he said that it was bound not to fail. Anyway, oh, I was, no. I, I had these, I was holding these, about to go on and collect my award. Robert Mitchum's in the wings. I said, oh, would you mind? So I got him to sign an old credit card, which was, seemed to be a start or something at least. And, and I said, what do you think? My friend says that these, these are going to be a great success. They're the you funniest glasses. Robert ever. Mitchum. Do you think they're going to He said, sure, it'll work really great, you know, just trying to be a nice guy. Put glasses on, stony silence. Oh, no. <laughs> Complete stony silence. No. And all you could hear in the background was the director at the back of the theatre going, oh. cut to a white shot, cut to a white shot. <laughs> and here's a message from our sponsors. Jim, where do you get your grenades from? My hand grenades? Well, the same places you get your gel ignite, I expect. Bomb Alley in Welling. Oh, for all your explosive needs, it's one shop for bunker buskers, booby traps, neutron bombs and, and torpedoes. Excellent. When you travel, do you, is, is food part of the thing you like? Do you like to experiment with the local dishes? Love, love, yes. I love that. And I, I try to do some research before going. I have a lot of friends that are foodie-type people, and they love restaurants. And one time when we went to Paris, I had a list of restaurants that we were told you must eat at these restaurants. And 
they did not disappoint. Every single one was fantastic. So it was, it's kind of good to go in with a plan. Yeah. One time Tom and I drove from Paris. It was the year we got married. So it was almost like a second honeymoon, but we drove from Paris to Rome. Oh, and we made it a gastronomical tour so that we would stop in places, you know, along the way that were known for their cuisine. Oh, lovely. And that was a really fun trip. I went to a restaurant in Paris once. It was called the, the Grand Vefort. It had an interior that had been, it was like a mirrored, beautiful mirrored interior. That was like, oh, I love that. Like, it was like it hadn't been touched since the 18th century. Oh. It was the most beautiful room you could sort of ever go in, in this beautiful colonnaded sort of building. And it was just so beautiful so the whole thing was lovely and then the waiter came out and he looked like lee j cobb that actor <laughs> uh from the virginian yes. and he had this and he and he had this incredible presence took my order and i i, I said oh um, i'm not sure i said what, what's this one it's the uh, something sausage i said oh, i said oh maybe i'll have that oh exceptional choice exceptional choice so oh, thank you and i felt i was so great that 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 i had made this choice and he'd confirmed that you impressed choice. him anyway then it came and it was just sort of a bit of an old sausage really oh, but it didn't matter no. because everything else was so great i didn't yes. care i was just delighted to be there i, I, I was in a similar place in paris i think it's la blouge it's uh, the, uh, that sausage it's made out of pig's intestines with what was in the intestines left oh, inside it. Oh, oh double treat. And uh, oh. on a similar um, oh. trip, <laughs> I had... Lovely I, treats you've been having, yes. I, had, um, I ordered, <laughs> I thought, I'm going to go for this because it sounds intriguing, the temptation, le temptation de Saint-Augustin. Mm. So I had it, which is basically a Sound. pig's head oh. inside out, and you've got to pick uh, the, the very small pieces of meat within Ooh. it. Oh, my God. Saint-Augustin may have been tempted, but I wasn't. No. But on the whole, the French food is... Oh, it's delicious. Uh, uh, ...the best in the world. Do you, you know about that famous brasserie called Brasserie Lip in Paris? Yes. It's right in Saint-Germain. It's yeah. on Boulevard Saint-Germain, and it's really, like, old. It's been around forever. And when I was 19, I was in Paris modeling that summer. I had met a girl on the plane coming over, and we decided we were going to meet for dinner. So we went, somebody said, go to Saint-Germain. That's the fun neighborhood where the young people are. And there was a chain, it's, I think it's still a chain, called Drugstore Publicis, which was just like, it was everything. It was kind of like you could get a croque-monsieur and you could get toothpaste and you could get, you know, it was what we would call a drugstore, you know, in America. So we're standing outside and we're deciding what we're going to do. And we meet these two young men. And they're like, why are you going to this drugstore, Bubisi? Come to a, enjoy dinner with us at Brasserie Lip. We said, okay. So we go upstairs uh, to the Brasserie Lip and they seat us down and these two guys come with us. And then they order a bottle of champagne. They order caviar. Hmm. I'd, I'd never eaten caviar, but I knew caviar was expensive. And, um, and then they said, we'll be right back. And we're waiting and we're waiting and they don't come back and the waiter comes over and he starts to uncork the champagne i'm like not so fast i didn't i didn't order that and we're waiting for the guys to come back they never come back no so sitting next to us were these two older gentlemen uh one was american and one was french the american one said I think you've made the right move. I think that you've been taken. 
And I was like, I think you're right. It was so embarrassing. It was humiliating. And, you know, we were eating the bread because we're like, <laughs> you know, so uh, hungry. Had the caviar been opened? No, no oh, caviar had you. been opened. I stopped the caviar too. Anyways, we started talking to these gentlemen and they and this one, the American one said, you know, my nephew is coming over next week. Um, he's studying. He's at Harvard or I don't know, somewhere. And he's going to be doing an internship in the summer. Would you come have dinner with my wife and um, family and meet my nephew. So we're like, okay, they seem like nice people. We go to the um, apartment, which was in the 16th arrondissement, which is the Shishi uh, um, area, and ring the bell and we get escorted up. And I'm not exaggerating, a butler with white gloves and I come into this apartment and it is the most spectacular art you have ever seen in your life. And the apartment overlooked the Eiffel Tower. It was just spectacular. We had a dinner and it was the kind of dinner where the butler stands behind your chair and they bring the, the what do you call the covers, the silver plate covers, and at the same time they all remove oh, it. Yeah. Super formal. His wife was... I think Scandinavian. The nephew was a complete bore. I actually liked the older guy the best. Well, it turns out that that gentleman who hosted us was Mortimer Sackler of the wing of the Metropolitan Museum of Art, but also happens to be the family of Purdue. I think the ones who are under in America um, uh, being sued for their knowledge that OxyContin was a deadly oh. and highly addictive drug. You don't think that the artwork he'd sort of been trousering. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but can you imagine uh, that all of that art that he had in that apartment was the best of the best? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was Picasso's and Manny's, Monet's, you know, So you anything. just bumped into them in the restaurant. But, yeah, they, didn't, they, but they didn't yeah. offer to say, they didn't say, oh, well, have the caviar, have the champagne. No, they well did not. Yeah, yeah. They That's did yeah, not. Yeah. But they didn't, they were trying to hook us up with the nephew who had nothing to say but I'm sure he's a very nice man yeah <laughs> we've been around the world we've been really, around the we? world we, we have. have we've certainly been around Europe we met one of the monkeys in Los Angeles yes we went to Greece where we looked at the postage stamps oh no uh, yes. can we just go back to the monkeys now, yes is that where the Adams family had their car as well, because, um, which was a hearse with a tower on the back of it, which time. I always liked the idea of the most. There were two competing builders of cars during those days. One was Dean Jeffries that did the Monkey Mobile, and there was another guy in Toluca Lake slash North Hollywood that did the Batmobile. Yeah. Oh, so that, that was car. another I great wanted, car. I wanted exactly. the Batmobile. What was his name? Um, Adam West? No. Well, he was Batman, wasn't he? Oh, the designer of the yeah. car, you mean? Yes, I'm trying to think. Oh, anyway, I know. But that... He recently just died, like yes, five yeah. years ago or something. Yeah, but that yeah. was that original Batmobile was such a great look. That had some fins on it. Oh, that, that was a major lot, fin. That had a lot, bat, a lot that of had fins. Bat fins, yeah. let's face yeah. it. Yeah. Huge like, fins. Like bat fins that looked like bat's wings on the ends of them, you know? Yeah. Oh, it was so oh. good. So we've been there. We've been everywhere. There's yeah. very few places in the world we haven't um, <laughs> travelled through. It was one of our most international shows today. I think it probably is the yes. most. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for uh, for joining us today. It's been a, a delight. It's been an absolute marvel. It's been a delight. Another time, I hope you'll come and play some of your marvellous records and music because we'd like to hear those. I would love that. Um, and in the meantime, thank you very much for joining us. 
Rita Wilson. Thank you. Nice having Rita involved. Rita Wilson. Well, Rita Wilson was a perfect sort of guest, absolutely impeccably uh, mannered, and took us to more countries, I think, in, in a tra- uh, travelling around in different modes of transport than than, uh, than I can remember for quite a while. Quite right. No, we haven't been to the Antarctic or Arctic, but um, I think we probably could. Anyway, there she goes, travelling back. The only thing is, I mean, I could say this: the, the only person I've ever been to the Antarctic who we've had on this show was Rita, but now she's gone. We could have discussed that, but well, that's you gone went now. there with her. Yes. We wrote a song there which hosts Feliciana. If I told you, if I told you that myself and Rita Wilson went to the Antarctic, yeah. yes, the very yeah. bottom of the world, yes. and wrote a song that was later sung by Rita and Jose Feliciano, you'd say you're making it up. I would. But I think you'll find it's true. Rita! <laughs> this podcast was produced and edited by Molly Stewart. The sound engineers were James Stewart and George Latham. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.